Welcome to William Blair Thinking Presents, a new podcast series that aims to provide in-depth expertise from our award-winning equity research and capital advisory teams on today's financial and economic landscape. I'm Chris Thonis, Head of Equities Marketing and Media Relations, and I'm delighted to be your host. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of William Blair Thinking Presents, we welcome Andrew Nicholas. He's an equity research analyst on our global services team. He covers consulting, HR technology, and information services companies. You know, as everyone may recall, a little while back, we had analysts Ralph Shackhart, Jason Ader, and Arjun Bhatia. They were on the show to detail the report on generative AI and its implications for the tech sector. And as a uh, follow-up to that, I think it would be—I thought it would be fun to get Andrew and his team, or at least Andrew, uh, right now to help walk through their new report, which addresses how AI and generative AI will impact the information services industry, and to establish a long-term framework for evaluating an information services business and its underlying data assets in this new AI paradigm. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. To kick this off, do you mind explaining first and foremost what the information services sector is? I think that'd be helpful. And then from there, providing a brief overview of what this report is all about. I'd be happy to. And and thanks, Chris, for having me. We'll start with describing what an information services company is. I I will admit it is a, a pretty broad scope. Firms that provide data, analysis, research, all fall within the information services bucket. Usually that data and that analysis is going to some sort of decision maker but the type of end market or the vertical or the industry is really broad and it just depends on the company. Obviously, this is mostly a B2B business or a B2B industry, but you can get data and analysis and research out to the consumer as well. But but historically, this has been a B2B business. And that's the sector that we, we cover here at William Blair. In terms of what the, the report is, and why now? I think both of those those questions are important. And I'll start with the why now. I think increasingly as the technology has become more and more ubiquitous within kind of the broader day-to-day life of individuals across the country and across the world, I think ChatGPT and, and similar tools has really increased how familiar people are with artificial intelligence and, and the technology. And it's made it a lot more interactive people are able to engage with it in a way that that people without very advanced degrees and, and capabilities were only able to before. And so as that has become a mainstream topic, it, it became an important investor question as well. And with information services and data and its leverage of artificial intelligence already, it made it a natural extension for us, or at least in my opinion, to cover really exactly how AI and generative AI will impact the information services industry, and then also the leading companies within it. And as I think we'll talk about as we move through here, we came up with a bunch of different factors Mm -hmm. that we think are most relevant in answering the question, will this company benefit from artificial intelligence? Will this company benefit from generative AI? Or is it at risk in, in some way, shape, or form? And actually, great segue. So uh, there's three primary impact areas you tend to focus on here as, with regards to the impact of, of AI on uh, information services. Those include increased data content product supply, increased accessibility, and then meaningful improvements to operational efficiency. Do you mind diving into those a bit deeper for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I think as you as you outlined, there's three bigger tailwinds here as, as far as we can tell. Not only do we think AI and generative AI increases the supply, it also increases the demand for that information. And then lastly, there's the third chunk, which is operational efficiency. I'll, I'll hit each of those kind of in order here. First, on the supply side. So there already exists data information out there in the world. The companies that operate within this, this industry have made a business in collecting that information. And collecting that information is, is core to building the data assets that make them so valuable. I think artificial intelligence has the ability to streamline the collection of that data, streamline data aggregation, and in doing so can really improve the value and the scope of the data products and the data assets that these companies are compiling. And, and before even getting into the other pieces of the increased supply conversation, I think it's also important to recognize, and I, I should have mentioned this earlier, information services companies are not new to artificial intelligence. This is an industry that has leveraged machine learning and natural language processing and AI to build their assets, clean their assets, link data for some time. But it does feel like this has reached a, a tipping point, at least in terms of the investor lexicon. I wanted to just double back there first. And so you have this data collection capability that's important to building these information services companies' assets. Now, in addition to that, you have generative AI allowing for content generation. And so companies within this space that produce research reports, that produce information summaries, that analyze data and provide it to those same end users we talked about earlier, are now able to use this technology to do so. And I think, as we'll talk about later, there, there are efficiency gains to this, but more than anything, the more content is better in that they can sell more of it to those same customers or even potentially create content that they wouldn't have otherwise created, which could open them up to new markets, new users, uh, and new consumers of that information. And then the last piece of the increased supply equation that, that we touch on is I think artificial intelligence in general helps with the identification of patterns in data. And as artificial intelligence gets more sophisticated, perhaps enhanced by generative AI, I think that companies within this ecosystem will be able to create new products. And, and more than anything, they can kind of fail faster with product development, be able to figure out what is going wrong and figure out a different way to approach it. How are these, just out of curiosity, how are these patterns being discovered in the past? Was that just done simply through hordes of data processing by the people at these companies or how was that done prior to, to machine learning or AI? So yeah, I mean, I, I think this has been such a critical part product development for information services companies for some time over a decade that I'm not sure that I have a, a ton of context in terms of, of that question, but I, I would say that that answer, the answer to it is, is very similar to what I, I mentioned earlier, which is these are companies that live, breathe data each and every day. And so they've been at the forefront of data analysis and data aggregation from the get-go, and that forefront just seems to be moving further and further ahead. You have this, the first dynamic, which is you have increased supply. The more data, the more that you can sell. The more content, the more that you can sell. 
But then there's this other piece of the equation that is this increase in demand. And I think this is really the unique opportunity that generative AI specifically creates. I think that generative AI makes information more accessible, whether it's improving the search and discovery functionality, whether it's improving how easy a product is to use. I think the big case here is that a user that is not a data scientist, that does not have a, a credible level of acumen in that area, they're now able to access the same high-level, detailed, in many cases, proprietary information, and, and that expands the user base. And when the accessibility increases, I think you, you increase usage, I think you increase retention, and that's ultimately going to be good for demand for information services companies. And then the other piece of the demand equation is just the democratization of artificial intelligence broadly. I think that there's lower barriers to entry for using artificial intelligence now. I think that customers of all sizes, a bunch of different industries now have the ability to access technologies that, that would have otherwise been cost prohibitive or required specialized expertise. And so if you take increased supply, particularly with data and content and product that's hard to replicate, and then you increase demand for that same information, I think it, it really has the potential to meaningfully enhance the value of both the individual data assets that these companies own and also the companies themselves. And so that's the demand supply equation. And then on the operational side, I think software development, customer service, sales and marketing efforts, all of those things can be augmented by generative AI. And I think that's something that enterprises across industries, even outside of the information services space, will benefit from as well. And I think it's hard to have a conversation always about AI without talking about the inherent risks, right, that exist for the sector. So why don't we tackle that real quick? In the report, you outline three primary risks to the information services sector. Uh, it's AI-specific risks, increased potential for competitive disruption, and then resource constraints. So we'd love to know what are these risks in particular, right? Just maybe if you just detail each of those, and then how can these, these information services companies address them both in the near term and long term? Yeah, that, that's really important. Obviously, we're, we're pretty excited about the technology's capabilities and, and its impact on the space, but there are some pretty important things to, to consider in terms of risks and, and costs. So again, I like to think in threes, and, and, and I think there's three primary ways. You and I both. I love question. thinking in threes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first is that it actually kind of dovetails off the supply conversation that we had earlier content generation is easier, data collection might be easier, new product in innovation improves. I think th the first risk for information companies or information services companies, particularly the incumbents, is that it could spur innovation outside of those companies. It might be easier for firms to generate or create data assets and data products than it was previously. And so with that comes increased competition. And increased competition and the potential for competitive disruption is something that all investors need to be cognizant of as they look at companies within this space. I would say in terms of addressing that issue, mm -hmm. I think these data assets and these companies have always been very protective of their competitive moat. And a lot of the things that would help them limit the amount of competitive disruption are, are something that we cover 
in our evaluation framework, which I, I think we'll talk about later. So that's the first thing is competitive disruption. The second is AI specific risks. And I think these are the ones that you typically hear about in the news or get the headlines, things around data privacy and security, hallucinations, basically AI models, making things up and not not hmm. providing correct information or, or perhaps providing misleading. I think you call it hallucinations. Is that the industry term? I, I like that. I no, that I think that's one that that also our, our colleagues in the tech group leveraged in their report and, and yeah. as referenced previously. But yeah, it's basically a generative AI model or or some sort of large language model gives you an answer. Could very well be making it up. And so right. if, <laughs> it's so uh, it's a little scary, but I have right. heard that. Yeah, and, and an information services company, which its brand and its value proposition to clients is saying what we're going to give you is highly valuable, but it's also accurate. Hallucinations would would certainly be a threat to that. And then there's also biases within that that these firms need to, to be cognizant of. I think that their solution or addressing those issues ultimately comes down to information services companies focusing on data security, focusing on data accuracy, focusing on explainable AI technology, sourcing their information. All these things are, are helpful in eliminating some of these risks and are things that the biggest information services companies are already very much focused on addressing. And then the last piece is just resource constraints. This is, is a little bit outside of, of my area of expertise. I'm sure there's technology and infrastructure analysts on our team that would be able to speak to this a little bit more eloquently. But I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that leveraging these models a lot of times using or, or paying cloud providers for the compute to be able to process large data sets and do some of the things that we've talked about already doesn't come without cost. It, it's pretty expensive. And so that that's one consideration. I, I don't know it's as much of a, a risk as it is something to consider because information services companies are going to have to to kind of balance the, the cost benefit of, of leveraging large language models in the future, particularly if, if supply on the chip side or the compute side is limited. Makes sense. Makes sense. So there's there's a lot more to this report. Obviously, there's a whole in-depth analysis that looks at how AI may impact 10 of the information services companies that you and your team cover. But we don't have time to dig into that, nor can we. We generally can't talk about companies specifically. But it's probably worth running through the evaluation framework that's laid out in the report around data assets and then the company, you know, and, and then companies operating within the paradigm. So if you don't mind, if you could just provide some key takeaways there and just to re reword the question, uh, this is the evaluation framework laid out in the report that is around data assets and then companies operating within this AI paradigm. Yeah, I think I think this is something that we're really excited about in terms of the report. We've covered the tailwinds to the sector. We've covered the risks and additional considerations. I think that leaves us with the question, who will benefit the most and who is most at risk? And I think in trying to answer that question, we found the best way to do it was to come up with an evaluation framework for information services companies. And I think in, in doing that or, or performing that exercise, we, we basically learned two things. First, that a lot of the factors that determine a company's success within this new AI paradigm are very much applicable to how we evaluate information services companies already. So to say that another way, the evaluation framework overlaps with an analysis of a firm's competitive moat 
in a lot of ways. And then the second learning is, is the factors that we think are most important to answering this question. And, and as you alluded to, we came up with eight factors, which we split into two buckets. The first bucket of four is, is focused on the variables to consider when evaluating the quality of the data asset itself. So, so those factors are how proprietary the information is, basically how exclusive that information is, how difficult it would be to replicate that data set, how accurate it is, which is how reliable the information is, free from errors, free from biases, which we talked a little bit about earlier, how rich the data set is or data asset is, the breadth, the depth, the timeliness, and the completeness of the information. And then lastly, the applicability, basically to say how many different use cases are there for this information? How many different end markets or industries could find value in the information that, that is in, contained within this, this data set? And so ultimately, those first four variables will determine how valuable the data asset is and the likelihood of replication over time, which again is, is very important when we're considering competitive disruption and, and potential benefits in an AI paradigm or this new AI paradigm. And so, so that's the first four, that, that's the quality of the data assets. But then there's this other segment of our evaluation framework, which refers to what matters the most at the product or the company level. These are the variables an organization can bring to the table to either help extend or enhance a data assets competitive positioning. So again, we're, we're going to four variables, scale, the size of the company basically, brand, which is, as you well know, the perception and reputation of the company in the market, the stickiness of the products that they have, which is basically to say, how easy is it for you to switch off the product that you're using? How mission critical is what we're providing you as an information services company to your day-to-day -day operations? And then lastly, infrastructure. I think a company's data and technology infrastructure plays a large role in, in how well a company can collect, store, and really manipulate large volumes of information, both efficiently and securely. So you, you take all these factors, there's eight factors, and we have the whole evaluation framework in our report, and we go through all the different companies we cover and evaluate them on these metrics. But in the end, I think if you score well on these eight factors, you're going to be positioned for success in this new AI paradigm. And, and that's really the genesis of the report and what we set out to do. So before I let you go, unfortunately, we're, we're down to our last minutes. I think it'd be helpful if you could take everything we just chatted about and then maybe just provide a synopsis of sorts that synthesizes the tailwinds discussion, the evaluation framework, and then puts it into takeaways for the full sector. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So I think there's a few points to make. First, it's, it's generative AI, I think, is a game changer. It's not instantaneous, and I think the use cases for Gen AI will evolve, but I do think it adds fuel to the AI fire, if you will. And I think a lot of the trends that were in the space already are going to be accelerating. Uh, we talked about the three major tailwinds, increased supply, increased demand, improved operating efficiency. So I think that's the first takeaway. I think the second is that proprietary data is important, but it's not the only factor. We went through all eight of the factors. I think it's important for investors to keep in mind that while having something that other people don't have is kind of step one, 
there are other ways to provide customers with value beyond that factor. And then the last thing is just how, how this impacts the entire factor. I think to kind of sum it all up, I think there's faster revenue growth that can result from this. You have new products, you have product enhancements, you have better customers who are able to access the information uh, more readily, and you have increased value of great data, which could potentially result in, in some sort of pricing opportunity. So you have faster revenue growth plus the operational efficiencies that we touched on to expand margins. And I think ultimately over a multi-year period uh, that can result in faster earnings growth for the group as a whole and particularly for companies that score well on our evaluation framework, which we detailed. Well, Andrew, always great to chat with you. Let's do it again soon. We'd love to have you back. But beyond that, thank you again. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you've got it. We'll talk soon. For more, head to williamblair.com slash thinking, uh, where you can browse our library of white papers, market updates, webinars, and all these other resources designed to provide actionable intelligence for emerging opportunities. If you like what you heard, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Copyright 2023, William Blair and Company, LLC. William Blair and Ardox are registered trademarks of William Blair and Company, LLC. As used on this podcast, William Blair refers to William Blair and Company, LLC, William Blair Investment Management, LLC, and affiliates. For more information about William Blair, go to www.williamblair.com. This content is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended as investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investment advice and recommendations can be provided only after careful consideration of an investor's objectives, guidelines, and restrictions. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and are subject to change over time as market and other factors evolve.